0: Good evening, everybody. As Sadler said, I am Clay, and I'm bad at telling rules. Um, it's because I'm a context person, and so what happens is the moment someone challenges me and asks a question, I feel like I have to explain every single reason why this rule exists and why it has to be followed. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm excited to be here tonight. I'm excited to dive into uh, our series as we're continuing and uh, Guarding the Deposit, talking about uh, doctrine and devotion. Uh, We're in this series, as some of you may recall, because God calls us to know Him better. Uh, We want to understand our faith in a more deep, significant way. And so as we look at different elements of doctrine, uh, specifically we're going to look at the doctrine of God tonight, I'm hoping we walk away with a better understanding of who God is and a better idea of how we can uh, follow Him and hopefully uh, experience depth of relationship with Him. And I'm going to stick on that word relationship for a second. If you enter any relationship of any sort, I don't care if it's romantic, friendship, employer, employee even, you'd be making a mistake if you didn't take extra steps to know or understand the person you've entered relationship with. Unfortunately, too many times, we as Christians, we neglect to take even some of the most basic steps to understand our God. Uh, A.W. Tozer says this in his book, Knowledge of the Holy. He says that man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Now, we could spend tonight going through a study of God's attributes, such as like his mercy and righteousness and so on and so forth. And I will encourage you to do that. That is a worthwhile study to pursue. But... Tonight, we're going to specifically dive into this idea of God as Trinity, or as triune, and simply meaning Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We see in the scriptures that God is triune. Uh, To give you a couple of examples, at the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus instructs his disciples to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We also see all three members of the Trinity present at Jesus' baptism. The Holy Spirit comes down upon Jesus like a dove, And the Father speaks from heaven, saying, this is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. And even the apostles themselves, uh, when giving benedictions and other things, uh, speak of God as triune. And so, again, we could spend more time looking at text to understand uh, why God is triune, or why the scriptures speak to it, why we believe it. But tonight I want to show you why and how it makes sense that God is triune. And so we're going to see some basic ways that uh, misunderstanding this truth can be damaging. And we're also going to talk about how embracing this truth for what it is changes our view of God completely. So we'll start. Let's begin by examining Cruz's statement of faith, uh, which uh, has a part about the Trinity. It says this, There is one true God, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each of whom possess equally all the attributes of deity and the characteristics of personality. So if you don't understand what that means, that's okay. Well, oh, that's okay too. Uh, been there, done that. Uh, I have a video of my son, Elliot, who wasn't quite three yet, uh, and he can tell you what it means. So uh, we'll go ahead and let him do that for a second. Say it all together. How many persons are there in God? They're three. In? One. God. The? Fire in self and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Good job, buddy boy. You're smart. I don't know how he did that. I have no idea how he did that. Uh, I don't know. It still impresses me. But okay, lesson over, right? <laughs> um, I mean, he made it sound pretty simple there. Um, but in case you haven't guessed already, it's not so simple. Uh, the, in fact, uh, early church fathers, specifically in the 4th and 5th century, uh, they had several church councils debating and relating to very questions over Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Things got so contentious at one of these councils that allegedly St. Nicholas, you may know him as Santa, uh, tried to get in a fist fight with a guy named Arius over the Trinity. And I emphasize that word allegedly because historians have largely debunked it, but I mean, it was so long ago, and I <laughs> uh, thought it might be fun. The point is, it's by no means an easy undertaking to understand a God who is infinite, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, just seems beyond our comprehension. And now many people have tried over the years to explain what this what triune God is like in an easy-to-digest manner, but due to the complexity, there's many common mistakes that are made. And so uh, I want to take a moment to see some of the ways people try to explain this triune God, and we'll see... We'll see if it works or not. So here we go. All right, so one example we have. God is like water. So just as uh, water is a hydrogen dioxide, uh, you know, takes on different forms, solid, liquid, vapor, uh, God, is, God does that in Father, Son, Spirit. What do you guys think? Do you think this is going to work? Okay. No, no it's not. Uh, <laughs> false. But here's, and here's why it doesn't. The reason why is simply because it's called modalism. So we have this emphasis that God is three distinct persons, yet one God. Whereas in modalism, God is taking on different forms. One person taking on three different forms, putting on different hats, if you will. Let's try the next one uh, God is like the sun. So the sun produces light and warmth that we see and feel and gives us life. So the sun and the Holy Spirit come from the Father. How's this? Is this one going to work? Okay, no, I'm hearing no's. Nope, 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 nope. Just imagine my face looking like grumpy cats the next time, if you hear that one. Uh, No, the reason this doesn't work is because uh, this is not God existing as three persons. This is what, again, allegedly, Santa, Saint Nick, wanted to fight Arius over. Uh, It's called Arianism. Essentially, you have God is not three existing persons, but rather that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are products of God. They're not God themselves. All right, let's try one more. God is like a three-leaf clover. So in this instance, just as God is three in ones, we're the leaves of a three-leaf clover. That works, right? Does that work? No. How about nope? It doesn't work. Um, and the reason why it doesn't work is this is called partialism. And so these, that's because three parts must be together to make up uh, deity or what it means to be God. They are not God by themselves. They're only God collectively. So does anybody have a headache yet? How are we feeling? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to wrap our minds around this big idea that God can be three distinct persons, yet still one God, who shares the same essence, the same will, the same characteristics, And so even if we've avoided the landmines we've already mentioned, uh, we often have a hard time regularly thinking of God as triune. And so consequently, a couple other things tend to happen. First of all, God can become or seem distant and cold, uncaring. We we start to ask ourselves why God would seek relationship with us at all. And think about it, if God is self-sufficient and if he's a singularity, then what does he need us for? Why would he need relationship with us at all? That kind of leads to our next question. We don't understand why God would create. Why would a non-triune, all-powerful, eternal God, who again is self-sufficient, he doesn't need anything, why would he create? Well, I mean, let me put it this way, it's not for any good reason, I can tell you that. And honestly, the reason why all of these explanations fall short god is because they're just not even close to accurately describing him in all his majesty and all his glory our triune god completely shatters the mold for how people try to describe and think about god there is no other god like him throughout all of history i would challenge you to like look at other religious texts look at historical texts you are not going to find another god like the god of the bible Michael Reeves puts it like this in his book, Delighting in the Trinity. He says, The triune God simply does not fit well into the mold of any other God. Trying to get along with some unspecified God, we will quickly find ourselves with another God. And honestly, if any of you spend more than an hour talking to me, you know you're not surprised I just quoted this book. Uh, but it's because um, I've been thinking about this idea of thinking about God as Trinity more intentionally for quite a while now. Because as I began a few years ago, I started with just studying uh, the Gospels but looking for the Trinity as I read. Uh, And as I began to more regularly look for the triune God and I started reading books about God as triune, it completely and utterly changed my view of God and changed how I relate to him. It's changed the way I pray, it's changed the way I read my Bible, the way I talk to people, and the ways I engage with people when I talk about Jesus with them. Now, considering all that, I've got to say that the most helpful thing for me understanding God was a simple question I came across in a book when I was kind of studying these things. It was a very simple question, but one that just profoundly changed everything for me. That question is this. Imagine if God is eternal, perfect, all-powerful, self-sufficient, we have to ask ourselves, absent creation or without creation, what was God doing? Well, we can't, we can't really fathom, was he twiddling his thumbs? Was he thinking about like, I wonder what I'm going to do today? Oh wait, I haven't made time yet. Um, yeah, what is, God, what is God doing? And it's a dense question, but thankfully Jesus answers the question. We don't have to guess. In John's gospel, he's praying for his disciples the night before his crucifixion, and this is what he says. He says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. I want to take note of two things here. Firstly, Jesus refers to God as Father, and this is consistently how Jesus names God throughout the gospels. And I know when we think of that word father, for some people that's a painful word because their uh, fathers uh, haven't been great reflections of their heavenly father. But when we think about an ideal father, we're thinking about someone who gives life, uh, has offspring, cares for that offspring, uh, takes you to your Little League games or dance recitals, loves you. And so the question becomes, how can God be called father before he gives birth to creation, or absent creation? Quite simply, he loves the Son, Jesus. The Father has loved the Son for all eternity, past, present, future. There's one other verse that some of you may have heard here, but I think it uniquely clues us in on this idea of God as Father, Son, and Spirit. John writes in his letter, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so if God is an eternally loving Father, it means a couple things. First, God does not need to create. God doesn't create because he's lonely or he's seeking to be served, he wants slaves, nothing like that. But also we see that God is able to love and glorify himself without being selfish. Because he has perfect love and fellowship with the Son, whom he loves through the Holy Spirit. Now, um, I don't know, for those of you who don't know me, I've been married for, it'll be nine years in May, so it's, it's been a hot minute, it's been a while. So here's my, I have a, if you come to me for advice, I'm going to tell you I'm not an expert, I'm likely to shrug my shoulders, so I'm sorry to disappoint, but having been in a relationship for that long and seeing healthy relationships, have you ever noticed this, that healthy, loving relationships tend to be shared. What I mean by that is that if you see healthy marriages, uh, other dating relationships, healthy friendships, they kind of feel a little contagious, don't they? Like there's some sort of joy that radiates out of it. And you're kind of like, man, I want what they have. And so I say it, I put it this way, I love my wife. My wife's name is Emily. She's incredibly wonderful, we're both OU grads. And I enjoy her so much, I think she's unique, she's hilarious, she's passionate, goofy that I just have to share this short video clip of her, and I'm gonna give a little context for it so that it doesn't seem that weird. Um, so this is like seven years ago, and I sing whatever song pops in my head. So uh, I'm singing the song that popped in my head, and this is the dance she just started randomly doing to it. to do the work, 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 work. to so do the work, 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 work. Sound, 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 work, work, work. work. Why? why, why? Clearly, that's the song that was stuck in my head. And I obviously didn't know all the words. But you know what? She went with it. That's, why I lo- that's one of the many reasons why I love her. And I share that with you because, quite frankly, love, ha- love has to be willing to be shared. A love that isn't shared or isn't willing to be shared isn't love. And you all know what I'm talking about when you see, like, a selfish love, right? It's manipulative. It consistently takes without giving. It insists upon itself. And that is not the love that describes the triune God, because he's a sharing God. His eternal love for the Son through the Spirit could be considered like an overflowing fountain that is shared through creation. There's a reason why Genesis 1 describes the completion of creation, of the world, of people, as very good. And that's because it is. It is the result of the triune God's perfect love and fellowship. And we were made in the image of this triune God. We have been made to love him and love one another as he does. So there's so many things, again, that we could have sought to talk about to understand God tonight. But seeing him as three distinct persons— with a shared essence, character, will, one God, means that we can never see anything but a God who loves and a God who shares. A God who shares himself in all of his glory, yet humbles himself and loves to the point of death, even death on a cross. So how do we respond to a God who loves us in such a way? Well, first, we're simply called to receive God's love. So if you're in this room, if you're someone who hasn't placed your faith in Jesus as the one who loves and makes it possible to receive the Father's love, it doesn't have to stay that way. You can say yes to that right in your seat or in your dorm room later, or you can choose to think about it and choose to learn more about who this loving God is or talk to someone about who this God is and decide if that's a relationship you want. And if you have trusted Jesus, you are called to lean into this love as deeply as possible. Some great examples of how you might do this might include praying, praying more frequently. A great thing is praying through the Psalms. I found that really helpful. Another example is to read the scriptures, especially the New Testament, and I would challenge you to look for Father, Son, and Spirit throughout. And we hit on a couple of verses earlier in the Gospels, uh, but if you take the time to read those with fresh eyes and look for God as triune, I promise you're going to see things you've never seen before. You could also read some theological books that dive into these topics. I've I've quoted a couple of them here. Knowledge of the Holies by A.W. Tozer. It's a classic. Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Highly recommend that. And then my personal favorite is the one I quoted second, is Delighting in the Trinity, and I've recommended it to so many people that I might as well be a salesman for the publisher at this point. Um, Yeah, I've probably made them a lot of money. All right, so we're called to receive God's love, but we're also called to share the love that we've received from God. So as we have talked about, God's love is not at all selfish. If the very nature of God is to share his love with us, we would be acting contrary to that if we didn't seek to share his love with other people. Not only that, but the triune God shows throughout the entire course of the Bible that he faithfully loves and faithfully pursues those he loves. And so if we don't share the love of God through, whether it be uh, engaging in a conversation, telling someone about Jesus, talking with them, or uh, if we don't uh, seek to help others meet their physical, emotional, or spiritual needs where we're able to do that, people aren't going to want anything to do with this God that we think they think we follow, because they won't know who He is. God's love is unlimited, and people need to know that they will miss out on eternal life, present joy, and future hope without that relationship. So, friends, we need to receive love give love and share love as the triune God does and please please don't make the mistake of making our God less than he is I've done that plenty of times Um, it's a hard lesson learned because there's no one like him there's no one more worthy than him and there's no one who has ever done or ever will do more for you and me So let's see him in the right light. Let's see him as a God, Father, Son, and Spirit, our three persons in one God, who loves and shares his love with us. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for the privilege of being here, for the privilege of getting to dive more deeply into who you are. And Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. Uh, for everyone who's here. And I ask you, God, that you would just move in our hearts, that your spirit would speak to us. God, that we would just see you with right eyes, that we would see you as a God who loves and a God who shares that love. And I just ask and pray that uh, as we go from here, we would seek to actively receive and actively share that love with others. It's in your name I pray, amen. <coughs> Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus, or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crewatou.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of The Warning.